0: to beats with kelly kennedy from our hearts to yours and tonight we're highlighting dr james odell and the brmi institute which is brmi.online standing for bioregulatory medicine institute.online this is a resource this is a conglomeration of advisors underwritten by philanthropists it's a non-profit non-commercial website for you to research what you want dr james odell is a medical director of the organization and he has many other hats that he wears throughout the universe honestly he's a global doctor he's been working in the bioregulatory field for a couple decades or more and dr james odell without further ado say hello to everybody hello and thank you so much for coming on i wanted to um just share with everybody for just a quick minute if you would if you can condense your your story in a quick minute Um, Just telling them what your passion was to spearhead this project, to get people this amazing content, empirical-based data, and what your drive for that was.
1: You know, the passion was that people would come to me all the time and say, well, there's no evidence behind that or that. And so I got tired of hearing that because I knew there was. And so I wanted to, uh, with the help of, as you said, philanthropists, and we have a board of advisors of uh, 29 advisors, with their help, we put together this website, which is a database of information, of evidence-based information uh, for the public to use freely. And it's growing and growing. And so we want it to become like a Wikipedia of sorts. And, uh, but my passion was that I just got uh, disappointed in people not really realizing that there is evidence behind many of the diagnostics and therapeutics that, that are used in bioregulatory medicine.
0: And as we can see here on the homepage, we have a lot of content about us, which is where you can find the Board of Advisors, the mission of the organization. And then this is that new platform for news for all the updated content because medicine's always changing, the world's always changing. So this is where they can get up to date info. And then all the principles right down to the history. And one of the things that you said in one of our other previous meetings was, I thought it was so brilliant. It's You're taking ancient wisdom, right? You're taking the ancient yes. healers and you're bringing in to play in the bioregulatory field, the technology of living in the 21st century. So yes. The ancient wisdom with the modern technologies and marrying those two. And that's what bioregulatory medicine is really about. And where you can learn about it is right here. History, the pioneers that began this um, entire paradigm shifting consciousness about how the body really works, right, and understanding the environmental factors, the basic tenets of the medicine, the epigenetics, many of all the diagnostics, right, down to, you know, the concepts of etiology, and etiologist means where things come from, the cause of underlying issues, disease evolution, homotoxicology, if you don't know what those are, I highly recommend going into them because that's really understanding the paradigm of this, then going through all the different modalities. You know, this website is again a resource allowing you to find the information that's all empirical based. So each one of these is a link that will take you again to empirical based evidence. So you don't have to decipher through all the Googles. And the board of advisors have looked through this. Again, it's a nonprofit, non-commercial. There is no one product, there is no product, no company, no uh organization, no doctor that is primarily promoted. It's promoting the concepts of how bioregulatory medicine and the foundation of medicine really is from our perspective of understanding the German way to look at the body.
1: Correct? Is there any? That's that's correct. You know, it truly is a a marriage of many things. Here we have uh, the traditional medicines like traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine, anthroposophical medicines and European, what they call biological medicine so it's uh this is what bioregulatory medicine is all about and it's we we hope that this website will be a service to to the community to the public and that as i say it will grow and grow with the help of our readers and we we really uh want to our readers to uh get back with us about it what they see what what more do they want to see and if they want to contribute to our articles because we uh we also put out an e-journal. We have a YouTube channel. We uh, also do conferences and and webinars, and are going to be putting out a podcast soon as well. So uh, please get back with us about it. We have a social media, and if you're you're welcome to visit that BRMI on on uh, Facebook and also and they, Instagram. And they,
0: they can see right here where the articles, the books, the e-journals, where they can sign up for that. Um, there's all previous podcasting and webinars that we've done there's been a lot of um, educational videos of different interviews and other resources for you and then how to stay connected to us looking at the calendar to make sure that you're um notified when we're putting up new content which there's always this is just like your body your body's not stagnant nor is this website it's ever evolving ever changing ever growing because you're doing all the great work for us. You're spreading the word and we appreciate it. Enjoy the content here at BRMI.online and please make sure to uh, share it with your friends and make this your search engine for your health questions. We look forward to seeing you at BRMI. Thank you. Thank
1: Thank you, you. Kelly.
0: To the Beats with Kelly Kennedy, and today we are talking about bees on the Beats, and we have one of my most favorite guests and friends, Dr. James Odell, who is the founder and director of BRMI. and he actually is also an expert of many things. You all, he is a doctor of Oriental medicine, and his curriculum vitae is not to be joked about. It really, there's a lot there um, in in Dr. Odell's background, but This podcast started a year and a half ago, no, two years ago in Germany. We were in Germany one night, one of our colleagues asked about bees and we turned to each other and we were like, we wish we had that on camera because he knew more about bees than anybody I've ever met in my life. And there's a lot to bees and there's a lot going on with our bee population and there's a lot of benefits to what the bees can give us. So I will shut up and let Dr. James O'Dell enlighten us about these amazing, amazing, little powerhouses the honeybees that's the bees we're talking about
1: right well thank you kelly it's great to be here again with you and to talk about something that i've always been interested in is bees i think ever since i got stung when i was a kid i was interested in them and um, of course honeybees are different than other kinds of bees Uh, basically they're vegetarian whereas other types of bees are not you know they eat other insects and what that does is is that chemically changes their chemistry. And so that's why honeybee venom is different constitutionally than like yellow jackets or wasp or, you know, paper wasps and hornets and the like. Um, so very, very few people actually are allergic to uh, honeybee venom. Um, and there are those people out there that are though, you know, so be warned, right, um, that there may be <clears throat> Um, people out there that are allergic to honeybee venom, but very rare, is it? Uh, that's why honeybee venom has been used medicinally uh, for centuries, for over, over 2,000 years. And when I lived in China, I became aware of honeybee venom. They were using it in the hospitals there and injecting the venom into acupuncture points. And mm-hmm. so they would actually procure the venom uh, and and it. Draw it up into a syringe and inject it like a bee sting a little bit underneath the skin. And so two or three stings here, two or three stings there. And this created a strong anti-inflammatory effect, an anti-inflammatory effect. And that's because of some of the peptides that are in the bee venom, and which I'll get to. Um, but I just I don't want to roll over it um, too fast into the honeybee venom area. I think that's kind of what drew me into it though. Um, because bees are are fascinating and medicinal creatures. Um, You know, they've been around a a very, very long time, um, something like over 30 million years. And as you know that their bee population is being threatened now. Uh, The bees are being poisoned. They're being poisoned by the nicotinoids and, and insecticides that are on the crops. Uh, they're being poisoned by what's in the airwaves, uh, 5G, 4G, th- various kinds of things that disturb their navigation. And what they found out is that these things kind of cause an Alzheimer's effect on the bees, where they they forget where their hive is and they can't make it back to the hive. So you have the empty hive syndrome or uh, abandoned hives, and obviously the worker bees just can't find their way back home. Uh, so this is
0: essentially just so we're all understanding bees communicate if you haven't seen the bee movie like from i don't know my kids watched it like 10 times it's awesome with jerry seinfeld but it really does describe a lot about bees and how their function is but they they send out vibrations right and so what what you're saying is that those vibrations are how they communicate they don't have words they just send out vibrations with their antennas and those vibrations are interrupted because of all the other things that are up in the air whether those are whatever chemtrails or 5G's or 3G's or whatever as well as the pesticides and insecticides and all the molecular chemicals that are now in the air is disrupting the communication of the bees just i mean most people know about this problem for those who don't want to make sure they understand right it it
1: really interrupts their ability to navigate you know they communicate a lot with fear too uh, so they, they secrete different chemicals and communicate with each other in this way. But the bee colony is a very intricate colony. Uh, you know, you have all kinds of bees that do different duties, uh, but you have one queen per colony. And what's interesting about that queen is that they is she is chosen. So uh, she's not in other words they don't lay a queen egg that all bees are born identical and, and the worker bees and they're all female w- without ov- ovaries uh, developed ovaries and they choose the queen and what they do is they give her what's called royal jelly and and royal jelly is is a secretion made of, of pollen and uh, secretions from the bees uh, so this is kind of like a superfood and what she does is she grows, like one and a half times the size of the other bees, of the worker bees. And she's able to lay as many as 2000 eggs a day. So, you know, way over her body weight in eggs. And that's all from this royal jelly. And so many people think that royal jelly, uh, of course it's been used medicinally for years and years in China and elsewhere. Uh, but people believe that it's also good for, for fertility, to promote fertility. And so with, with many of my female patients that are trying to conceive, I have them eat royal jelly. And a lot of times it really is a, a great benefit or aid to them uh, along with the other things that they may do uh, because it's such a super food. It contains some very unique uh, proteins that are, never, that are not found anywhere else in nature. And it's just a very complete protein. So, um, for people that
0: are maybe like underweight or people that aren't recovering well, or for people that have adrenal insufficiency, anything like that, I would instantly think of royal jelly. And you would be in alignment with that, Dr. Odell?
1: Absolutely, royal jelly. And in, in Chinese medicine, it's good for the jing. Uh, you know, that's different than qi. The jing is sort of your essence, your, your bodily essence, your reproductive forces of your body. And so it's really good to bring a person back to health uh, and kind of restore their health. So it's, it's good therapeutically, but it's also good just as a preventative to, uh, for, as you say, for people that are underweight or just feel uh, listless and, and don't have enough energy. Uh, so it, it is uh, available in uh, capsules and, and uh, liquids. Uh, It's also available as creams and and many uh, people use it uh, uh, for their skin and it it beautifies the skin and it really does work very very well for that. Uh, It helps uh, promote collagen uh, formation and uh, I just have seen it work with people uh, for their skin as well. So royal jelly is a very unique thing, but that is what the queen bee eats and that's what makes her uh, different than the, the worker bees, which are also female, but don't have developed ovaries. And there is another player here, another actor in the bee colony, uh, and that is the drone, that's the male bee. Now the male bee kind of gets uh, pushed out during the winter time. And uh, so unfortunately they, they end up dying during the winter, but this, the hive stays alive, you know, there's, there's bees that, that control the temperature of the hive, which is just fascinating. So even, you know, like minus 40 degrees uh, below zero, they can they can control the temperature of the hive. Or if it's too hot, there's bees that that fan it and, and, and cool it down. So, so it's
0: like it, one ecosystem and it's all female bees in a beehive.
1: Yes, except for the drones, yes.
0: And how many drones in a beehive?
1: Uh, not very many. There may be as as many as 300 at the most, where there could be uh, you know like 20,000 uh, bees in a hive. Uh, so uh, it just depends on the 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 size of the hive. Um, but there is one queen, and when she dies, uh, they replace her. Again, they they choose. I, I I think they take a vote, unlike the you know the, the votes that are going on now. But um, so they. Oh, they, that was
0: good. That was really good. Had, that was good to keep it light for everybody. That was wonderful. Right,
1: right. So uh, they take a vote, and um, they choose the queen, and of course they feed her the royal jelly. And uh, so she grows again, one and a half times big and starts to lay all these eggs and, and populates the colony. Um, another thing, of course, that we, we think about when we think about base, we think about honey. And, uh, you know, bees make honey. And, and uh, honey is a very interesting compound. Uh, it's, you know, foraged from flowers. And so the bees, they collect pollen and they collect nectar. And then they make this honey. From that, they make this honey. And so honey is really a mixture of not only just sugars, but it has a lot of enzymes in it. And that's why you always want to purchase honey raw. Uh, You want to make sure it has that word on it, raw honey, because some honey has been cooked and it's not raw. And that destroys the, the heat sensitive enzymes that are in it. But honey is known to be antimicrobial too. And so uh, you probably heard of people taking uh, Monaco honey uh, for uh, infections, particularly like uh, Heliocobacter pylori, or for their mouth, or for other kinds of of, uh, infections in their gut. And uh, this is um, a very good type of honey to take. Uh, for infections in in the gut or in the gastrointestinal system to help with the microbiome.
0: And Manuka honey, is it from a special bee? Is it from a special area? Like what makes Manuka honey so special?
1: Yeah, it's gathered from the Manuka bush, okay, in New Zealand. And uh, there's actually uh, what they call a unique Manuka factor or a a UMF and you want your unique Manuka factor, your UMF, to be anywhere from 10 to 15 plus. Okay, so that is a number and it will be on that Manuka honey uh, somewhere and on the label. So 10 to 15 is a strong Manuka factor that would prove to be effective to help with the, the uh, intestinal microbiome.
0: So it has healing peptides with, and a peptide is a protein.
1: Yes, a peptide is a short protein string. So uh, actually it's shorter than a protein. And so it's an amino acids that are um, that are gathered together and it's a little bit shorter than a protein. As as the amino acids get longer, then we call it a protein. So a peptide is just a chain of amino acids. And um, amino acids a unique are built chain.
0: blocks of life. Amino acids is what everything the body is built out of. Every cell is uh, made of
1: Exactly, yeah. You, you have uh, essential amino acids and they, they do many, many things in the body. So it's not just amino acids. So there's a lot of in the honey, uh, you have other kinds of things. You have minerals and enzymes, uh, even certain vitamins and other nutrients um, that are part of the honey. And, but honey's been used as a wound dressing too. And for, for centuries, uh, back in ancient times when people were, were injured, maybe shot or injured or something, they would use honey. And the reason is is that honey is, is hyper osmotic. In other words, it, um, it draws water out. So it, it can't become infected, that's why honey is stable. You know, you put it in your, your cabinet and a year later you go back and there's nothing that grows on it, right? Because of this, this hyperosmotic nature of the honey. And in doing that, it also, uh, and because of what's in it, it's a very good antiseptic for wounds and wound management. Uh, So that's um, something about honey that that maybe people don't really know. And and I know that they know that it's really good to to put in their tea or, uh, you know, to maybe even dose yourself with. The next thing kind of moving on to with bees is the pollen. And there's really two types of pollen that we think about. There's the pollen that floats around in the air and that people are often sensitive to, particularly where I live in the Ohio River Valley. Uh, And then there's pollens that the bees process. So the bees collect the pollen and they, they like chew it and they mix their saliva with it and enzymes with it and it becomes a, a food for them. Um, but that type of pollen is constitutionally different than the pollen that floats around in the air because it's been mixed with enzymes and processed by the bees. It's made into this medicinal pollen, and you probably heard of people taking pollen in order to desensitize themselves in some way uh, for the, from the pollen in the air. And this actually works very, very well. Um, here uh, in Kentucky, I'll always go to the state fair. And the re- main reason I go to the state fair, not only is it just interesting to see the people in Kentucky at the state fair, uh, which is a very interesting thing. Um, site Uh, but it's also I go there to uh, visit the the bee section where the the bee exhibit and these uh, people they sell not only uh, honey but they also sell pollen and it's very inexpensive now not all beekeepers uh, collect pollen uh, from the bees Uh, you have to have a special device to collect the pollen Uh, but some do and as I say this is a very good way to desensitize yourself from uh, certain pollen allergies, and so it's it's worth a try. But pollen contains also a lot of nutrients, so it's like a superfood as well. Um, you know, many B vitamins and uh, as well as many minerals in it, and uh, it's it's a very unique unique substance that. Um,
0: so it's. So- I think- <laughs> bees are getting food from the flowers. They're picking the pollen off the flower. They're chewing it. They're mixing their enzymatic, you know, in their mouth or mixing enzymes with it. And then that's essentially producing the minerals and the vitamins with that enzymatic activity in the pollen. Is that what's happening? Exactly. Yes. Uh, They do kind of
1: activate it. And so they add to it. uh, And that does create more nutrients in that pollen and it constitutionally changes it so people that are allergic to pollen
0: should be in the, the air yeah. so it's a- like homeopathic basically is what you're creating
1: mm-hmm.
0: with the bee pollen for all as long as it's a local for whatever they're locally exposed yes. to, right? just like taking the teaspoon of bee of honey for allergies they could do yes. that or they could do bee pollen
1: Right, or you can mix them together even better. Yeah, so, uh, but this is true that some people take uh, honey uh, and the reason is, is because there is some pollens in honey, in raw honey. So it always, again, it always needs to be raw. Uh, but you mentioned something that was um, rather important that as, as far as the locale, of course, if you're trying to desensitize yourself against the, the local pollens floating in the air, you want local uh, bee pollen too. Uh, so you wouldn't get pollen from Europe, uh, though that might be helpful in some ways. It's not uh, the best type of pollen. So you try to get it from, from a local grower, uh, local beekeeper. And in this way, that uh, is the better type of pollen, the local pollen. So we have royal jelly, we have honey, we have pollen. Uh, all these three things are, are very unique to the bee and can be, you know, medicinally used in some way. Um the next thing that we think of when, when it comes to bee is what's called propolis or propolis, And um, propolis or propolis is what the bees use to protect the hive and seal the hive. And so it's kind of like a sealant. Uh, so if there's a crack in the hive, then they will, uh, they collect these waxes and resins from, from flowers and things and they bring it back to the hive and they use it to seal up the hive. Or they can use it also if the hive is being invaded. So uh, invaded by maybe microorganisms. Uh, so the propolis is actually very antimicrobial. And so it can protect the hive uh, from microbe invasion. It can also protect the hive um, from insect invasion. So if there's other opportunistic insects that are trying to attack the hive, the bees will swarm those insects and they'll coat those insects with the prophyllus. And so it's, it's, uh, it's a very unique way to, to protect themselves. And so they will do this uh, to protect themselves from microorganisms as well as from, from larger types of, of uh, insects. Um, but the prophyllus, because it is also very unique and, and antimicrobial, Uh, has been used medicinally uh, for infections. So it's also infection protection. And a
0: lot of people use that in treatment of Lyme disease, I know.
1: Oh, very good, yes, yes. So uh, it's also used in cancer therapies, uh, in alternative cancer therapies. Uh, The prophylist is gonna be unique to where it's gathered. And so I've seen prophylist from Brazil that's just pure green. And then I've seen prophyllus that is, you know, pure yellow. Uh, so it comes in all different colors depending on on the locale in which it's it's uh, derived from or which it's harvested from. Um, but if, it is,
0: if it's protected it, in nature like that, I would imagine that it would be that same local experience. Like your microorganisms that you're going to be exposed to in your area are going to be different than if you're in like West Africa or if you're in. You know, Russia, or if you're in South America, like each different continent is going to have its own unique ecosystem, and the profilus that's associated with that ecosystem is going to be more protective for that microorganism or that insect Uh population that's prominent in that area. So once I think that's probably
1: true, uh, true, and uh, just like with pollen. That you really want it, or with honey, you really want it from your locale if you can find it that way. With prophylis, it may be a little bit more difficult to find local prophylis that a lot of times what you find in the health food stores is uh, harvested somewhere else. Um, but it is a very unique in immune enhancing substance. So uh, there's a lot of research on, on these things and uh that you could find if you went to like google scholar and typed in prophylaxis uh antimicrobial or whatever however what words you
0: choose BRMI has an article or two i would imagine
1: absolutely thank you very much <laughs> kelly so uh BRMI we have uh, of course a website that is an extensive database of all kinds of diagnostics and therapeutics and we have what's called an uh, in the therapeutic section uh, from the therapeutic tab, we have a whole list from A to Z of different kinds of therapies. It starts with apatherapy, which is B therapy, apatherapy, API therapy. And uh, so we have several articles on apatherapy uh, also in our resource section. Uh, It's fascinating though the amount of research that's been done on bees is just so extensive and it's been done all over the world particularly Romania and China and elsewhere have have really been very uh, active in in researching uh, medicinal properties of bee substances.
0: And and I've heard that honey is as close to our human blood as almost anything and that some of the yogi masters believe that if you ate honey only, you would survive and be fine. Would you find, like, I, I think that's well, I,
1: I'm not sure I would, you know, go along with that. But, uh, you know, some of those uh, yogi masters uh, don't eat much, you know, they, they seem to live off of air, their breath breatharians or something, I don't know. Um, but yeah, honey is uh, usually for most people is a very safe thing to eat. And uh, just like with with any of these things, you start out small and make sure that you're tolerant of it, and um, then you can increase it. So particularly things like pollen and honey, you start out small and then gradually increase more and more as time goes on. And you might even get up to like a teaspoon of pollen uh, over time. But at first, you just start out with a few grains. Uh, and same thing with honey. You know, you don't uh, put a big tablespoon in your mouth. I've done this before and I choked. And so. Um, this it depends on the honey some honeys are stronger than others and and um but that's uh it's i wouldn't think you could live off of honey but probably for quite a while if that was all you had uh you know honey was the first sugar that that, uh, humans ate really and so as far as we know is in the evolution of mankind um people have been consuming honey for eons of time Um, So the last thing I'd like to talk a little bit about is is bee venom therapy. Yes. um, We talked a little bit about royal jelly and the unique properties of it, and how it's a very nutritious substance and it's good for infertility. Talked about pollen and how it could desensitize the body, and it's also nutritious. And talked about honey and uh, what a wonderful sugar it is to, to use. Um, and it's also medicinal and, and can be used for wounds and wound healing. It could be used internally. Uh, the monaca honey can be used internally for different kinds of gastrointestinal infections. And uh, also about the prophyllis, which is an immunological substance that could be prevent colds. And uh, it's even used for degenerative illnesses, like you mentioned, Lyme disease and, and other kinds of things like cancers.
0: And it's um, that's more of a waxy substance.
1: Yes, it's very waxy, and and um, it's uh, if you it comes as a clump often. You know, if you bought it in a raw form, it might come as a clump. Um, but usually, it comes in capsules where they pow- you know powdered it into capsules, and, and so it can be taken in, in that way. Uh, but it's often taken in the winter time to prevent colds, uh, to prevent coronaviruses. Yes colds and uh, that
0: common cold yeah, coronavirus common
1: colds, coronavirus is common colds and it's also uh, used for preventing other kinds of, of uh, respiratory infections like influenza rhinoviruses and things like that um, that are pathogenic um, but basically it's you know it's just good for the immunity uh, too to kind of boost the immunity up so with um bee venom therapy Is um very interesting
0: i'm just sitting here i know he took a sip for those that are listening of his of his water but i'm just sitting here going you know i've always my a good friend of mine she's a beekeeper and she produces honey and all this local honey and she loves it and is great at doing it and i i've said for years i i want to i just instinctively want to house my own bees because there's such a problem with the bees and And I know all these things individually, but it's like, I felt like that two years ago when we were in Germany, I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to have my own bees. This is incredible. Like we're losing bee populations fast and furiously. This organism that obviously we haven't studied and well, there's been extensive studies on it, but the lay people haven't extensively studied enough to understand what an incredible organism the bee is. It's so tiny and yet it is functioning It is doing so much for our, for humanity, for the earth to survive. And it's like, it seems insignificant to us at times. We're like, oh, make sure you got honey. I mean, I have a seven-year-old, he loves honey. There's so much, it's so powerful what honey does and what the bee does. I think it would be nice if everybody decided in 20, between 2021 and 2023, we all create our own beehive and started to help repopulate our world with these very important insects that are com- like an own ecosystem all by themselves that know how to protect, how to keep, you know, the one most important person, the, the happiest and the healthiest. And when she goes, they find another one and they all work together as community. I mean, I think we all have a lot to learn from bees is my point. Yes.
1: I, I think so too. Um, you know, even Einstein said, if we lose the bees, we lose ourselves and so uh you know our civilization is dependent upon the bee population um what happens is that as you know they uh they get beehives and they truck them around and uh then they release them like into orange fields and um olive groves and things like this so that they could pollinate but then they give these bees which comparable to bee junk food uh, so the bees don't really get to eat what they need to eat. And the bees become sick and ill and, and die. Um, so it's not a good situation for the bees. They're, they're, they're being enslaved. Uh, <laughs> they're being poisoned. Um, and I think you're right. It would be great if we can, in some way, uh, have more bees or have, have a uh, uh, enjoy our our uh, beehives ourselves, you know, and, and grow beehives ourselves. But the uh, I do know beekeepers, and and it's it's tragic when they lose a hive. Uh, they they become depressed, and and they did, sometimes they don't understand why, you know, what happened. Where you know where my bees go, and so it, it is a, a very serious situation that's happening now with the bees. That there's attrition in the bee population, and and. Uh, we, we need to fix it somehow. I and mean, you know, we need to uh, absolutely roll back on a lot of these insecticides and and find ways in, in which we could protect the bees uh, and protect their hives. So... Um, so bee venom, uh,
0: I mean, here's their poison, right? Their venom is right. what we're talking about. Yeah, you
1: know, yeah, the, the idea was, uh, uh, this is, you, you've heard of Zeus, you know, he was the, the God Zeus yes well the, the story goes that um zeus when zeus was a boy uh zeus loved honey and in in order to um that in order to acknowledge the the bee he gave the bee a stinger okay and this that uh but the bee abused the stinger all right and so zeus as he grew older realized the bee abused the stinger and would sting things several times. So he made it so that the bee could only sting once. All right. And so when the when the bees sting you, they lose their, their abdomen, basically. They, they die. So this is one of the differences between honeybees and wasps and hornets and other kinds of bees that could sting and sting and sting, is that the bee only has one stinger, and so she's very selective. If she's, if she's going to sting you, then she feels very threatened. Most bees are not going to just run out and sting you uh, because they know they're going to die if they do that, and they don't want to die. So uh, that's kind of the situation with, with the stinger. Now, the stinger contains uh, a sack of venom. Now, the venom is very unique. It contains these peptides. One of them is called melittin and the other one's called allopin. And these, you could look these up, uh, but the melaton and allopin uh, are both anti-inflammatory. And they think that melaton is probably 40 times stronger than cortisone. Wow. As, a, as an anti-inflammatory. So when the bee stings you, it swells up and gets red. Yes, there's a little inflammation at first, but the after effect, the after effect is anti-inflammatory and uh, a very strong anti-inflammatory. So if you have uh, some kind of itis, some kind of inflammation, whether it's tendinitis or brusitis or arthritis or whatever kind of, of inflammatory process that's going on, of course, you're trying to treat your terrain and 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 deal with it through detoxification and supporting your connective tissue matrix and all that. Uh, but you could also use uh, bee venom therapy as a way to, of controlling the inflammation. Um, so it can be either injected or you can actually buy the bees. Uh, I think it's better to to buy the venom and to you could mix the venom with procaine. Uh, half and half procaine and then there's a special way in which that is done I can't give you all those directions here on this podcast uh, but I could tell you that that is available elsewhere and if you were really interested in learning more about um, using bee venom in this way you could find out about it and you could use it yourself of course Uh, self-administer such a thing Um,
0: and you have the ointments as well
1: yeah, right. And so bees can—the uh, bee venom can be injected into areas where, where there's inflammation, uh, or it can be strategized like in uh, in acupuncture, injected into points uh, to create a more of a systemic effect. Um, not only is it good though for arthritis and inflammation, but many MS patients. Uh, that also use B venom and also Lyme patients use B venom and it found it to be very, very effective. The B venom also is antimicrobial and it seems to disrupt the, the Borrelia of the Lyme, uh, those, the spirochetes of the Lyme. And uh, it's, it's good for that. There's also uh, this, it is uh, bee venom cream. That you can get. And this is also very effective for people to take home and they could rub it on their their joint, a uh, little dab on, you know, you don't put it in your eye, but you rub it on your joint. Use a
0: q-tip. Kelly learned that lesson because Kelly rubbed it all over her thumb one day and then rubbed her eye. So she uh-huh. everybody to use a q-tip when applying it, just in case.
1: Yeah. Not a bad idea. And so, uh, you know, it's not going to blind you, but you don't want to yeah. put such, you know, venom in your eye, okay? It is venom. And uh, so this is a very unique venom. It's a medicinal venom, and it has many unique properties that can, if applied properly, uh, can help the person. So it's used for a lot of things and uh, can be used with injections. It could be used in creams.
0: Um and just so to be clear, this this venom is made into a homeopathic dilution. Yes, it is. They're they're in putting it in directly, like just like a bee would. You can, as he said, some acupuncturists, which he is a doctor of medicine beyond mm-hmm. acupuncture, but a lot of practitioners, particularly in the acupuncture mm-hmm. realm, will order the bees. They come in these tiny little cages and then they put the bee in the room and get the bee to try to, I guess. You know um directly hit any specific point or they use injectables if they have the license to do so and create this homeopathic with procaine to the local anesthetic or they go ahead and use the venex ointment which dr odell just held up for some of those that can see this and the venex ointment again is a homeopathic i I think it's 0.04 dilution or something like that and yeah, it's, it's very,
1: very mild amount. It's
0: a very mild dose, but it does create a little redness, a little itching. And you know itchy, that it's taking the red, And
1: that means it's working. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, the bee, the bee venom uh, therapy is, is quite medicinal and, and helpful for a, a wide variety of things. And as Kelly, you mentioned that there's different ways to apply it. Uh, there's also, you mentioned homeopathics. And uh in the world of, of homeopathy, we have apis, right? And apis is, has often been used for al- allergic types of situations. And you know you're, we're using the law of similars that if a bee stings you, then you develop an allergy. So they have they take um, apis, uh, a, the, the bee, and they make a homeopathic from that. And so it's a very useful uh, homeopathic to have in your, uh, homeopathic pharmacopoeia uh, that you can use for uh, various kinds of things, whether it be uh, just a simple allergy or maybe you got stung by something, right? Something else, and you could use the apis as a, as a counter sting or as a, you know, countering agent uh, in, in this way to, to uh, disinfect or uh, remedy that sting. So, yes, there's uh, the homeopathic apices uh, that has uh, been long a part of, of homeopathy. Yeah. No. <clears throat> the, um,
0: the bees know what's going on. The bees yeah, have, yeah. I mean, and they're functioning like that's their innate intelligence doing all that, you know. And on the beets, we talk a lot about innate intelligence. And, you know, when, when you don't have a mind like the Hume, Homo sapien does that can actively think the way we can and, and and control our thoughts bees are just living on instinct they're just following their drive to survive right that's what the instinct is drive to survive and they know without any words just through communication they know their right job they know i don't know how it is but they're voting for who the right queen is they put the queen in that place then they all are working in community to support that queen because if the queen goes down the hive goes down They know that they want the hive to survive, so they want the queen to survive. It's a really interesting thing that I didn't even, the the reality is the timing of this podcast and what we're talking about is quite comical because this is just a podcast I've wanted to do with you for a year and a half, and I just really want to get this information out there because bees are so important. And it's funny, coincidental, what's going on and how this really gets us to understand like i say all the time we have a lot to learn from dogs like dogs wake up in the morning first of all they unconditionally love you dogs and cats they stretch before they do anything else right they sleep they take naps they eat half the amount they poop <laughs> or they yeah. poop twice as much as they eat whichever way you want to look at it
1: Right. Right. well a lot of it's bacteria that's why
0: and they drink nothing but water right. you would never put down a glass of coca-cola for your dog you would never think to do that that would be insane right so we have a lot to learn from dogs and we have a lot to learn from bees and working in a community and working together with a common goal and looking at the fact that whatever your job is and i just did two podcasts about this that your job whether that's you know cleaning the walls of a building or it's you know being the the uh I don't know, NASA person that's driving us, taking the satellite or the spaceship up to the ethers, all those jobs in the middle are important. And it's about finding your space and your place and just moving forward and not judging yourself for that. Because I'm sure all those other bees that are in that hive aren't going, well, I wish I was the queen. I wish I could be the queen. Why am I not the queen? No, they're, not doing that. they're supporting the queen and yes. they their life depends on it. And they're using propolis and pollen and Um, Be venom. And they're using all of these protective things that they create in their own body to, to make that survive. And what you're telling us is that as, as humans have gotten involved to try to say, oh, I want to up our, increase our honey. I want to make our honey taste a certain way. I'm going to put them in this orange field. I'm going to do this. We've shifted their own guidance, which sometimes is even thrown off because the airwaves can't, Are are miscommunicating for them or causing miscommunication. So they can't find their own guidance. And then they're put in these positions where they didn't show up here. And, you know, maybe they were bees in Jersey that were moved to California. And all of a sudden, these bees are in California in a totally different magnetic field of the country, living off of different air, different sun, different food. And they're eating junk food and they're dying. They're not surviving. Right. Is this not a microcosm for the macrocosm of what's going on in our world at large? Yes. I, mean, it's, it, I did not realize this, honestly, Dr. O'Dally. did not have any concept of what the analogy was here for our world.
1: Yes. There's a, a good book that uh, the anthroposophical uh, founder, uh, Rudolf Steiner, wrote a book on, and it was just simply called Bees. And I, I do recommend that book. Uh, it's a fascinating book on bees. Uh, of course, there's a lot of other ones out there um, that you could get and, and learn more about the, the medicinal properties of the bees. Uh, but they make, they, they're they a master chemist, and they make very unique properties of, of chemicals. Um, that we can use therapeutically for all kinds of things, and ways to, to protect ourselves, ways to nourish ourselves, uh, ways to treat ourselves from, from inflammation and different kinds of, of illnesses. Uh, so I, I think we really should be, uh, give a great tribute to the bee. And, and of course, they, they pollinate our, our lands. And that's, um, the, every time you eat, eat an orange, you think about, you know this orange was, was created because of bees. Um the, uh, the poet Emily Dickinson uh, wrote, it, it only takes one bee and one clover to make a prairie." And uh, this is, I think, very true. I mean they are so prolific in, in what they do and in how they they save us. you know, every day they're saving humanity. So um, I, I, you know, I have great respect for bees.
0: And it's, it's a complete trajectory here, but kind of sort of not, you know, one of the things that I talk about and th- thread throughout all my podcasts is that when I first got involved in this medicine, one of the greatest lessons Ian ever, my husband ever gave me was he said, go in the room and be, and I literally said to him, what do you want me to do? And now we're having this conversation about bees. And I always talk about be versus doing. And now I'm going to have a new intention when I think about bee, because it's more about bee than I ever thought it's about bee. We need to Uh, be more like the bees.
1: Yes, yes. And I remember years ago, didn't we inject you with some bee venom at one of the conferences?
0: Yes, we did, James. Very good.
1: Yeah, it seems like I remember that now. Yes, yes.
0: Yeah, Kelly's up for all of that.
1: And yeah, back. you were you you're always up for whatever. And and that's what I like about you. That what? you oh, sure. Yeah. Here, now, here.
0: It comes with trust and faith. Let me just say that. Uh, because when I walked in those doors and you and and Dr. Um, Braid and Dr. Rao were teaching, and Dr. Fitzpatrick, and all these people were teaching. This was the first time in my life I had information that made sense, that followed the laws of. Physics and biology that made sense to me. This wasn't illogical information. So, when you all said, Who wants a volunteer? Of course, I was the first one to volunteer because what you said was brilliant and logical and resonated with this. When I walked into all those doctor offices, those two decades before I found this medicine, whether it was for my health or my dad's health, it never, there was no connection to how the people were living to what was going on in their health. And what we're talking about is the bees will show that up. If you change their environment, they're not going to be as well. And and they are the microcosm for the macrocosm. And yeah, I'm yes. loved because I trust all of you because of what you can educate me about that makes all the sense in the world. I mean, it really does. And it's what we need everybody to understand that everybody's in fear right now because they're thinking about the germ concept and the germ theory versus terrain theory and terrain medicine. And when you think of terrain medicine, this is not, there's no scariness because I treat my body properly because I do eat well and I do have love and I do have joy. And I make sure that the things that cause inflammation in the body are reduced in my lifestyle so that i move those toxins out faster than i'm ever letting them in but this concept that i can live however i want and my body should show up for me makes no sense the bees are sitting there going i'm eating biology i'm eating pollen and i'm turning it into chemistry we are our own chemists we have that ability if you're dealing with depression if you're dealing with anxiety then your body's not producing the proper chemistry for you because your biological living is off somehow would do you disagree with us please stop me No,
1: I, I think no that this is true it, you know, the bees are dependent upon their terrain and they they forge, they need to have uh, a, a healthy area in which to do that with uh, then they they have a healthy colony and if we start to alter their terrain with uh, in some way, with with insecticides, with uh, things in the air, that that all of this,
0: uh, or uh, location.
1: Yeah, just location, just moving them around for goodness sakes. Uh, you know, enslaving them and moving them around in trucks. Then this, uh, of course, this changes their terrain and they become sick and die. So we're the same way. You know, we're dependent upon our, our inter uh, inner terrain or our milieu. And that's what strengthens us. That's what gives us an immune system. And um, it's what nourishes us and helps us grow and evolve and uh, evolve in, at all levels. Uh, so uh, the bees are very much like us and that they're dependent on terrain and as, as we are.
0: Well, folks, I think that ties up this, this episode of the beet. So go find some local honey, some local propolis, some local bee pollen start, you know, have that in your medicine cabinet, you get a, a cut on your hand, you get something like that, use that as a first line of defense. And when you yes. are seeking more information, go to brmi.online and find that database that you're looking for to, to re, reinforce why you want to do this or, or investigate something else. And this is the way that you're going to regenerate your own body by taking the proper actions. And we thank you so much, Dr. O'Dell, you know, you, you commented earlier why you love me. I think there's a million and one reasons why I love you oh. mostly honestly for that brain of yours, man, it is well, expansive. And I just, I, I love you so much and I love that brain of yours. And I love well, thank wow. you, Kim. to ask all the questions that I ask because I feel like you are like your own encyclopedia of information, but you have studied so much and we appreciate the conciseness and your preparedness in this, um, in this podcast today about bees. I know I am going to be figuring out how to get my own beehives in 2021. That I absolutely feel is yes. like the right thing for us all to do, to take responsibility of ourselves for what's going on. I can't look through my neighbor to do it. I gotta do it. I gotta be the helper bee just like all the other helper bees in yes. there, the worker bee and help the queens so that they can help our, our, our own ecosystem that we live in survive.
1: Well, I, I, I see you as the queen bee actually. So uh, thank you so much for, for having me on again and uh, I hope we can do this again soon.
0: Oh, we certainly will. Thank you so much and thank you all for watching. Thank you for staying tuned. Thank you for all your comments. Let us know how you feel about this episode today. Please share this with your friends and get the B going in
1: 2021. Right.